2: Hey, yo, welcome in to CHGO White Sox post-game show. Coming to you live from the CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. We're in Studio A. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me are the boys. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Check out all CHGO.com for his brand-new article about what Rick Hahn had to say. You left us. Last time we were doing a I had to show... Go. You, you had to go. There's reporting to be done. And you you went 10 feet into that glass box, and you did your little reporting. We got to get you a little reporter's hat. Okay, With a little card press yeah. card in it. Yeah. <laughs> See? Uh, and that's Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at wall 23 He's our CHGO, White Sox community leader. Uh, shout out to our uh, pals in the chat, Matthew and Fred, uh, who basically say the same thing. But flipped, uh, the trudge to 100 losses continues, and then Matthew saying, will the Sox win 62 games this season? Matthew is more of a glass half full kind of guy.
3: (laughs) He wants to know how many wins there will be. Fred, glass half empty, wants to know how many losses there's going to be. Both
2: bad, though. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not a good answer to either. Uh, I think it was probably a good answer to uh, how short was this game. Uh, One hour and 58 minutes. Oh, really? it's yeah. clock for MVP. It started apparently
0: like at 7.07 or 7.09. So, yeah, quicker than we had, had initially imagined because it was supposed to be a scheduled start at 7.05, but it ended at 9.07 local time. Baby, keep this momentum going.
2: Honestly, I think that actually raised their grade up for the trade deadline just a little bit. Maybe, maybe we turn that you know B to a B plus I mean We had Jake Berger. First, we know
0: we would have you know probably hit a home run like a probably. jerk and wasted time. That'd been like two three minutes. Twenty five go seconds going
2: around the bases. His sprint speed's high. Um, we'll recap all the trades in a second, but no, I think the White Sox are just going to basically play home run derby uh, with these teams. Just say we're both going to see how far each of the, each other can hit it, and we're just going to you know because I it,
3: don't know. Did you watch? the home run derby it took forever it was way longer than an hour and 58
2: minutes well hey this may maybe what the, the home run derby should be <laughs> it's just pitch clock in the home run derby 18 guys <laughs> uh trying to hit as many home runs as possible um all right let's uh jump into recapping the trades we got some rick hahn audio from you we also got some jake Berger video um and we'll get your reactions as well to the trades and so make sure you're sharing those hit the like button and subscribe to a chgo sports youtube channel as well appreciate that and we appreciate you viewing uh Started all on July 26th after the Cubs-Sox game, after the Cubs took 2-2. We were heading back on our our little yellow school bus uh, with all the people and all our CHGO dice cards. Uh, And Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez were traded to the Angels for Edgar Caro and Kai Bush. Kind of surprising. We didn't expect it to be early, um, and it it was kind of hit us pretty quickly there on the bus. Uh, Then on the 28th, while I was seeing Barbie, Uh, Kendall Graveman to the Astros for catcher Corey Lee. Then we saw Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly just, what, 45 minutes, an hour later, uh, get traded to the Dodgers for Trace Thompson. He's back. Uh, Right-hander Nick Nestrini, who Rick Hahn brought up today, Um, and then also right-handed reliever Jordan Leisure. Then on the 20-no, then today. Then they waited and saved all of them for today. There were Um, three today. Three three trades today. Uh, First off, it was Jake Berger. Uh, happened around three forty-five ish, maybe three fifty. Craig Mish first had the report. Uh, Jake Burger for left-hander Jake Eater uh, and Herbs now trademark joke. Burger Eater, yep. Jake Burger Eater, yep. The Jakes. See, you're not really that T- happy about the joke now. No, I. I hey, no. That's why I gave up the joke. The <laughs> joke sucks.
0: No, I'm sad now. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna be attached to, that for my, the rest of my life. I'm trying to break telling terrible
2: joke. jokes. That is my life. That's my life, too. I mean, what else are we going to do? We're talking about the White Sox baseball. I mean, that's like. Real quick, guys. Framber Valdez, no hitter. Against the Guardians? Yeah, against the Guardians. Let's go. That counts for two of my book. You think the Astros are fired up? Oh, man. Got their man's back?
3: Also, also, fun fact. Guess whose preseason AL Cy Young pick was Framber Valdez?
2: Yours? Wow. Look at you. He's been bad, I think, though. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win it this year. He's not going to win Cy Young, no. But he did throw no hitter. How about that? I mean, (laughs) you could pick Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman is a perfect game. I didn't pick him. Booty for the rest of the year. Um, he been a, he's got a 3 2 90 year. Right? Framber's been fine. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. been fine. Yeah. Is it, uh, who's, come on, Luis Garcia? Garrett Cole's now? probably going
3: to win the ALC, or probably the favorite at the moment to win Every, the ALC. Um. Yeah. Gosman. No, Cole's been really good. I
2: don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. I really don't. I didn't think we were talking to ALC. Young. No. Um, but we, the other trades that we had, sorry to get cut off, uh, Keenan Middleton to the New York Yankees for Juan uh, Corella. Carella, and then uh, this was not a trade. You wanted to clarify this is an acquisition. This is not a trade. Luis Patino was acquired by the Sox. The Rays get cash, right? Well, they already have cash. He's their
3: manager. <laughs> Thank you. We here all hey, week. We all uh, tell terrible yes. jokes, That's good. but that yeah. was actually good. Yeah, yeah. Good. they acquired they acquired Luis Patino for Kevin Cash considerations. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Cash's consideration was that Luis Patino was in Triple A. <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> I know um, I've seen the cash considerations jersey. Just put considerations. No one puts the full that's name That's much on better
2: than the Burger Eater one. That was good, man. Yeah, yeah, that was
0: good. I mean, it was actually a good joke. It was also not the fourth fifth
2: time that we've told it yeah. um It wasn't funny the first time, and then it really wasn't funny this fourth time. So yeah. then let's tell it we a fifth time. We're going to run that shit into the ground. Yeah, I'm going to tell it one more time but, at least yeah. before we leave. I think we just did, kind of. Um, all right. Let's uh, go into Rick Hahn's sound and then we'll talk about those trades, those acquisitions uh, and what it means for the 2024 uh, Chicago White Sox. Uh, here is General Manager Rick Hahn uh, on the state of the 2024 Chicago White Sox post. When you're going through
3: these when you're going through these uh, discussions internally. Is there, after what you've seen the last few years, whether it's injury-related, performance-related, whatever, just given the, the results for team-wide, what they've been, what sort of consideration is there to to trying to, to shake up a, uh, this core in any, in any way, if there is one?
1: Uh, you don't shake something up just to shake it up. Uh, that said, it obviously hasn't, what we've put out there hasn't worked the last couple of years now, or hasn't worked since at least 21. Uh, So there is absolutely consideration and dialogue and various permutations that we've played with that have a different look going forward. What exactly that's going to be come the 24 season, there's a lot of time between now and then to, to put that all in place. But just as it would be foolish for us to enter this trade deadline period and not talk about the entire roster and understand the value of our entire club, uh it'd be foolish for us to essentially say nah it's going to work better next time with this with this same group
4: looking ahead to next year um what is what is the vision is this a, a rebuild is this some is this a modified version of a rebuild uh exactly what is the vision for next I, year and, and what
1: no I don't think we're quite uh, you, you were around when that was asked after the last trade I think and and my answer hasn't changed significantly in the last three days or however long it's been um it was very clear obviously that 2023 wasn't going the way any of us intended and we entered this deadline uh, knowing that there were players that we would be best served by moving on from and restocking the farm system uh obviously prioritizing arms getting guys at premium positions like Caro and Lee were of uh, importance to us, and none of us wanted to be in this position, but we all felt very good about, or all feel very good about what we were able to accomplish once we accepted the fact that this is the position we are in. Uh, We still have uh, many impactful talents in Chicago. Uh, We still play uh, in a division in which no one has really run away and hid in. Uh, Certainly... Competing for uh, the postseason is viable in 2024. Uh, in all candor, sitting here on you know an hour and or 55 minutes after the trade deadline just ended, uh, proclaiming this is how we're going to get there in 24 isn't exactly uh, our mission. Over the over the last several weeks, it's been put ourselves in the best position to execute this deadline effectively. We feel like we've we've done that, you know, quite candidly. Going back three weeks to the draft, this entire month has been about putting the Chicago White Sox uh, in as good a position as possible as we can going forward. And based upon what we were able to do in this year's draft, and now what we've been able to do at the deadline, uh, the organization is much much stronger for 24 and beyond. Um, precisely what that looks like in terms of the big league level in 24. Let's get to the post the the end of the season and assess everything performance of uh, the players who are here at the big league level. What we've gotten out of the minors. What our assets are going forward. And then, as always, I think uh, you will hear directly about what the plan is for the people in charge. I guess at the time that you said that, uh, I think Sox fans maybe had the feeling that things were going to change. And then you're still in the same spot. That's why I'm asking that. Well, we've traded, I don't know know how many guys off the big league roster. Things have changed fairly significantly uh, with regards to player personnel. Again, unfortunately, because it didn't play out the way we wanted. uh, In terms of uh, other significant organizational changes, those tend not to happen in season. Uh, So we'll we'll see what the future holds.
2: And I get the sentiment months behind saying hearing this guy gives me a headache, uh, same blah, blah, blah. I feel like you picked up on that sentiment when you shared the response to your first question on Twitter. Um, But this wasn't more of the same because especially in the last two responses, what we were trying to kind of show was Rick kind of left it open to whatever. I mean, it's not his choice to step away. I know before he said, you know, if I'm not doing a good enough job, I'll... Uh, I'll step down or something along those lines. Um, But again, he has one of 30 very coveted jobs. I would be very shocked if Rick Hahn ever left that uh, very nice position uh, that he's working in. So uh, what did you make of him, especially with the back and forth with Chris DeLuca, where he was trying to say, like, is anyone going to face the consequences uh, of this team failing and being in this position in 2023? I don't know Chris personally, but I don't think he asked the question. He was trying to beat
0: around the question. Ask the question directly if you want to ask Rick. But the him and the and like, uh, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And Rick said, yeah, we've changed the whole team. What do you mean nothing's changed? We've traded a bunch of players. We've got a bunch of new draft picks. And so, you know, Rick was, you know, answering the question that Chris was asking. I know where he was going, but he didn't ask it correctly um, and didn't ask a direct question. I applaud him for... You know, answering how he did, and it might have got a little contentious there. But you know, Rick's not going to fire himself, and it's up to Kenny and Jerry if Rick continues on this job. I've already let my feelings known on that. But uh, as far as the what he had to say, I mean, what? Let me just say this: What would you expect him to say? And I think what he did say in this uh, what was a 25 minutes yeah. was pretty telling to me. Like he told you exactly, you know, kind of where the team is going, and then his status is not up to him. I like to get on Rick every once in a while when he does poorly. I think today his trades, the conversation he had with the reporters, the man was uh,
3: on his game. He was all right. Well, yeah, and I mean, Sean, what you were alluding to was the comment I made to you before the show, which was, you know, here's an instance in which Rick Hahn did provide some answers. Doesn't mean they're the answers you want to hear, but he did provide some answers, and yet everybody's like, ah, this guy never says anything because you've all already made up your mind about Rick Hahn for the most part. Um, He is obviously the uh, choice target of the frustrated fan base this year. Um, Not saying he shouldn't be, but but that's what it is right now. And I think there's a lot of people who only want to hear two words from him right now, and that's I quit. Um, And, I mean, I think that's been the case since April because I think I've used that same line before, uh, uh, many months ago. Yeah, I but,
2: told the Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero thing about WWE, quit matches. Yeah, we've done it.
3: But today, he, we did learn some stuff. And uh, we learned that they plan to, or they hope to, they think they can contend uh, for at least a playoff spot in 2024. Again, up to you to determine whether you think they're actually going to succeed at that. But the point being that they're going to try. And I think there could have been a sell-off of, of much more dramatic proportions this uh, trade deadline. There could have been a new rebuild launched, even if it wasn't one that was going to take three, four years like the last one did. Um, and that wasn't the case. They are, they are eyeing, uh, attempting to field a contender or a competitive team, at least, in 2024. We learned that today. Um, I, I think we learned that, that core, that everybody wanted – not everybody, but that a lot of folks wanted to see get broken up last offseason. Certainly I think the two of you would fall into that camp of the, the, the core players, most of them position players, but a couple of pitchers on there too. Uh, I think we learned that that could very well get broken up this winter. Um, I asked Rick you know, directly kind of like what was the consideration of, of shaking things up this trade deadline and, and into the future, and he said, you know, you don't shake things up just for the hell of it, but look, this isn't working. And so we can't keep going into it saying, oh, it'll just get better just because. And so I think, you know, the idea is that it's far more likely that you'll see one, a move like that involving someone like Aloy or Yohan or TA or, or heck, we spent all day talking about whether Dylan Cease was going to get traded. Maybe that's more likely to come this winter than it was last winter. Um, these are not certainties by any stretch of the imagination, but they are things that we've learned and we we can point to the front office saying those things so we can hold it you know we can use it as a roadmap to go through as we continue to judge them not just the rest of this season but into the offseason
2: yeah and the roadmap seems to be let's acquire a ton of arms uh that seemed to be the mo in their trades today getting jake eater uh getting um uh Luis no. Patino, Luis Patino. And then now I'm blanking on the kid's name from the Yankees. Corella, Corella. Um, and then Carella. also uh, Nastrini was a big package and the, the big get of the Dodgers trade. Uh, also, Kai Bush was the secondary piece, but also an interesting piece of the Angels trade. Um, you know, I, Rick, again, I would like him to be fired. Uh, I, I feel like we don't need to keep saying that over and over just, again. You know, like that's like well, you
0: guys are too. Nice. I'm like, he did well today, guys. I'm like, I gotta give credit when it's when it's due. Cool. I just can't be shitting on him all damn day. Like, and you could tell the man's down. I don't need
2: to kick him when he's down. Yeah, and he, I, he understands he hasn't done the job. I said, you know, I gave him a B today. Yeah. Well, what did you guys think of the return for the trade deadline? Because obviously being in this position is bad. I was even going to say the question, you know, when he says, you know, we want to contend in 2024, like, of course, like, what what are you going to say? Like, oh, yeah, we want to suck. We we'll go got there and just absolutely won't. suck and stink and be bad. Um, Like, no, I right, mean, like, of course, he, they're not going to say, he's
3: not going to say anything different. But so I, like, but he didn't say we're going to take a step backward to prepare for 2025. You know what I mean? Not saying that is informative, I yeah, think. But I didn't,
2: yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I took away, and I obviously it is, a fair answer but John Greenberg was direct and said what's the budget going to be like for next year and he said you know we don't know that's isn't a conversation we had yet um that would have be the thing that i wanted to know um if they did have a direction and if he was going to say you know it will be consistent with the window or the the years of, uh, that we were in with a window um i think maybe what it is more illuminated of is the first thing we talked about is maybe he doesn't know his job security position i I would be surprised if he is fired, um but I mean maybe um, it isn't his choice, and he did say that Jerry's upset just like everybody else is upset here's
3: here's there was a question you asked before we derailed again there of you know judging what the what the trade returns were this time around, and yeah, they look good, but I think you can say two things at once, which is, yeah they. According to the prospect rankings and and what the evaluations are, it seemed like they got some guys that over the next few years could come up and help them. Mm-hmm. But they've done that before.
2: They have. Well, the, like to add a little bit more context, like before the year, their prospect ranking was twenty sixth. And I think with this return, um, Kyler McDaniel said, you know, dependent, and this was on Saturday, of what they get, you could probably be a top ten farm system. And I think you know he said they were around 12th. I think with the ads that they got from the Marlins, Patino, and I don't know if he still counts as a rookie with the amount of games he's played, uh, but you could throw in uh, the Yankee kid as well. Um, at Corella, my yep. bad. Um, like They're probably going to have a top 10 farm system, which, so they've made a jump. Which would be very
3: nice for them, mm-hmm. but again, I think the point is that now we're seeing everything through the lens of how this got here, and when you say, oh, they did a good job, look at all these young guys they got, they, Good, good for them. You can project them down the road. Well, sure, but they went. They, the whole rebuild was getting young guys like this that were highly rated, that were top ten prospects in other farm systems. And, you know, there were the ones who ended up in the big leagues, your Moncadas, your Jimenezes, your Copex, your Cease's, right? And then there were ones that we don't remember. I mean, remember, it was a great thing to to get Ryan Cordell, and it was a great thing to get, you know, Casey Gillespie back uh. at the time, and it was a great thing to get these little guys here and there. Oh, that might be something, that might be something, that might be something. It doesn't always work out that way. And then, too, when it does work out, and all these guys do make it to the big leagues, they're 22 games under five hundred after not scoring any runs today with a lot of those guys in the lineup. So... I, I think a big takeaway from this, and, and Rick even mentioned it a little bit, saying, you know, we can talk about why people are mad, what's gone wrong, what we're trying to do to fix it. I believe he, it was along the lines of, I could articulate the greatest plan for moving forward in the world. It doesn't really matter until they start winning. And, and he's right. It doesn't. It, because when, uh, until they are better, everybody, all the comments are going to look like this. And once, or if, they were to get to the point where they're winning consistently, none of the comments are going to look like this. I mean, that's, that's what matters in this business, winning, winning and losing. And you keep asking, you know, oh, are they going to make a move at GM? What's Rick's job status? He pointed it out earlier in the year. In this industry, in general, the expectation is you win, you keep your job, you lose, you lose your job, heck, Sometimes if you win the World Series, you lose your job if you're uh, down
2: in, in yeah, Houston. Right. If the owner doesn't like you. but uh, The owner likes him.
3: But we also have the history to go on at what happens at 35th and Shields. Yep. Regime change is not common. Not at all. Um, and, and I think something to remember throughout the early stages of the rebuild. Rick. Would, we would ask Rick, you know, our, frequently it was about are you going to sign a free agent or a big price-free agent kind of thing. And he would bring up the idea that there's a narrative that they don't do that or they don't like to do that, right? And he would say, well, look at all these other narratives that existed before about this team that we disproved, right? Never would we launch a full-scale rebuild because we had, you know, their M.O. for so long was just throwing a few free agents at it and trying Mm -hmm. to get there. Uh, Never would they make a big trade with the Cubs because of the, you know, jealousy or, you know, little brother syndrome or whatever. And, oh, look, we did that. Beneficial for both sides, kind of thing, and he would say there are other re- uh, narratives that exist, and I believe usually they were in the spending category, and it's on us to to prove that that is wrong, kind of thing. Any narrative that everybody's saying, oh, Jerry would never fire so and so, oh, uh, you know, the White Sox will never go out and spend X amount of dollars on a pitcher, blah blah blah. They they would never break up this core because they've already spent on it, so and so. Those narratives exist for a reason, and it's on them to break it. If it's not true, if that's not how they want to operate, they have to show it. They have to do what they want to do to prove that those things are wrong. And above all else, they need to win. If if you think the roadmap to winning is them going out and spending $100 million on a pitcher, for example, right? And you can sit there and go, oh, they never do that because they never have done that. Well, guess what? It's not on. It's not on the person who's complaining to be right or wrong in that situation. It's the White Sox saying. It's the White Sox needing to actually do it. They need to squash the narrative themselves. And so, if the uh, if anything moving forward, you think, oh, they'll never. The White Sox will never do that. Go ahead and think that the White Sox are the ones that need to bring an end to those narratives, not the people who are talking about them.
0: Yeah, and I can um, have empathy for what. They went through this offseason where they were thinking, okay, 81 and 81, just bring the team back. You know, make a couple uh, adjustments. And like I said, in the offseason, they might have thought their offseason was the bright process because what happened last year is an anomaly. All we'll do is just tweak up a couple little things and we'll be right back to winning baseball games in this AL Central. But no, 22 games below 500. And you can see it on his face, it's weathering on his face that this, his, vision and Kenny's vision has failed. The grand scheme is gone. And now I don't know what it means for his job status. And I've said it time and time again, he needs to be fired because of accountability, just for accountability's sake, not for the person not having a job. I don't, you know, I I want him to be employed because he needs to feed his family and such, but I don't know where the team goes without him. That's the thing is, They're just going to hire some other yes dude or some other dude who might be a yes dude that's not qualified for the job. That doesn't mean I want him to stay. He should be gone, but they shouldn't hire, and we'll get to this if it ever happens, they shouldn't hire Chris Getz because he's not ready. Same thing with Jeremy Haber, same thing with Kenny Williams Jr., or whatever front office staff that's in the White Sox um, um, uh, system. The one thing that Rick does well is this. Selling off his players to other teams and getting great value, I think he hit the ball, he hit the ball out of the ballpark for this one. I give him an A. The only reason not A plus because Clevenger's still on the team, and you said in the pregame that or the uh, trade deadline special that maybe other teams didn't want him because Clevenger's a five and da- dive pitcher, even though he's doing well this year, and then all the baggage he has with his off the field stuff. So that would have been an A plus if you had found a way to uh, offload his contract, but. I have no qualms about what he did. He executed the plan, and you were talking earlier about Lucas Giolito, and we were surprised how early it happened in the, the process. As we see, he had a lot of things. He had a lot of irons in the fire, and he was doing a lot of work to get this White Sox team where they need to be on the other side of the trade deadline. And so to get the players that they got and trade off the, what, six, seven players that they did, I think it's nothing but kudos to the White Sox front office for doing what they did and making this team slightly, slightly, a little bit more palatable going into the future because you have some starting pitcher prospects. You have a couple catching prospects, even Corey Lee, who might be on the team this year. And you have a a wild card in Luis Patino who I think could be a nice addition if you get the hands of uh, Ethan Katz on him and he actually pitches the ball over the plate like we talked in the uh, pregame about Gregory Santos having the same wildness before he got to the White Sox, and now you see that
2: guy is a like, closer in waiting. Just to uh, jump in here, uh, and I don't know if it really matters, the Cubs have hung a 20 spot on the Reds. Wow.
1: <laughs> it's hard uh,
2: to do. Oh, there's yeah, more. I'm I just think, looking at the reflection. It's Belly another home run going to out. Oh, no, you no, right got right caught. the track. 20, oh, goodness. 20 to 5. Rams. We got three oh. singles today, though. Uh-huh. What's that? We got three singles today. White Sox had three singles when he runs. Oh, three singles. Oh, oh, maybe. the White Sox. Yeah. I was gonna say, I'm married. <laughs> I thought he was talking about money. I thought we won like a bet or something. That would have been fun. Um, to just, I, I thought your, your points are, are, are fair. I, I don't know if I'd give him an A. Um, but I, I'd, I'd give him a B. Like, there's no one that I'm like, oh, that's a, that's the guy. Right? Like, I, I think that Eaters is really interesting. Yeah. Um, Nistrini's interesting, but no one that is like, Oh yeah, for sure. Like flawless pers- uh, prospect. Right. Um, are they are guys that all have something that's just a little bit off because again, the guys that they were trading weren't perfect players that they were trading off. Like no. they, they didn't get rid of a Dylan cease that would have gotten a, you know, possible Jackson holiday a Grayson, return, a Grayson Rodriguez, a, a Grayson Rodriguez <laughs> return. Thank you. Um, you never know folks. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it, it. you look at the actual top 100, though, Coulson seems, from what Kylie McDaniel said, like, this could be a star. Like, this could be a top 10 MLB prospect next year. And that's very exciting looking at this. Uh, Caro, he might not be a flawless prospect because it's not sure if he'll stay a catcher. But he's also down in Birmingham, and he threw out two guys today. So, hey, Can that's it. not bad. Um, Noah Schultz right like he's he's a guy that is going to be a little bit longer of a development he might be in a 2026 contention window maybe um he's probably going to be like 23 um who like Luis Patino is who he's a former top prospect and he probably won't rank on this chart but again an interesting guy that maybe the Sox can unlock um Nastrini's fifth um it seems like he's a a more clear starter than Kai Bush's who's seventh. Um, they've upgraded their farm system, but again, like I thought your point about narratives is very true. Like they tried to sign Zach Wheeler to a $125 million deal and go and spend it on the pitching. Uh, but it didn't happen. And are they going to keep trying to defeat that narrative? Or now that they're, you know, 22 games under 500 is this just kind of dead. Like what, what is next for the white Sox? Uh, we'll take a break and try to figure that out. Um, because it might just be the next narrative to squash is let's get someone new in here, and I, I think you know your point, Herb. That Racon has done a a fine job getting out of this is fair, but it's just this position being in just absolutely sucks for fans. Um, let's let you know about Sunnyside Cannabis uh, Cannabis Dispensary. You want to go feel good? Why not go to Sunnyside? Always. It's your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer. They are a one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are on your cannabis journey. They have easy online ordering and in-store pickup and great transparent loyalty programs, Sunnyside Rewards. Illinois' favorite dispensary. Herb, where's your favorite? My favorite is Frye from the people... At no, good- no, 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 no. Oh, where's my favorite? Yeah, oh, Wrigleyville.
0: Okay. It's right by Where the they house. they're putting up 20 runs? Yeah, we're right by the house, right on Clark Street. Easy in, easy out. Pretty oh. good. Pretty solid. And there's one right here in River North that I've been to a couple times, too.
2: It's not a, It's not too far of a drive to Elmwood Park. You know, it's uh, I don't know in, where that's in, in, at. In uh, in, in, you don't know where Elmwood Park I is in Lawrence Benedetto's hood. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, to get a the city of Chicago to get some Johnny's beef. Delicious. Yeah, right, exactly. it's a, it's get a, some Johnny's beef and then get some uh, Sunnyside. It's a quiet locale uh, compared to the Wrigleyville one. So hey, uh, you know whether you want to drive, I think there's uh, some up even uh, near Wisconsin. So South Deloitte. Uh, yeah, where Mario could go uh, all the way up near the border. Mario hey. lives up there, doesn't he?
0: Ugh. Yeah, he's like right by the border. Isn't Ugh. he in
2: Wisconsin? Ugh.
0: Sorry, I don't think he's in it. He's close to it. Every day? Driving yeah. down here? Mm. It's brutal. It's tough. Yeah. That's um, dedication, too.
2: But uh, Herb's favorite is the Fries, and that is from the good news. Uh, they have gummies, rechargeable vape pens, and carts perfect for great moments with the crew. Uh, and they have more in-house brands like Mindy's, Cresco, High Supply, Floricale, Wonder, and Remedy. Through August, that's right now, head to sunnyside.shop and use code... <coughs> not don't how do you, you that, spell that John. Yeah, cough cough use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order one use per customer not stackable with other promotions and that's not only for new customers anyone can use our code again code is CHGO25 not cough cough uh, at mm-hmm. checkout for 25% off your total order pick up everything you need to elevate your summer must be 21 plus or an Illinois med card holder um do I have to say card holder? If you have an Illinois med card,
0: I mean, I would think you would hold it. I don't know where else you would do with it, so Necklace? that people could see it, wearing guess, it, like wearing your yeah. middle Illinois med yeah, IT card ID around, card. Your, <laughs> yeah. just all all day long. Yeah, hey guys, you know. <laughs> Look my, got my, my back kind of hurts.
2: I'm a card holder. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, weed. you know where you have a, a little card, a little ID holder? College, folks. Go sign up for Lewis Zzz, University.
0: Transition. Uh,
2: students are just <laughs> like no. you. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Nope>. fine enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you
3: stuck the landing
2: on that <laughs> well, one exactly. We're talk- mostly talking about White Sox baseball, so maybe we just get to that. And I could use my bad transitions, folks. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just goofing. <laughs> um Students are just like you at Lewis University. Uh, they're they have full time jobs, families, full time sports fandoms, they're writers wearing ch- a chess t shirt. What? I haven't seen that. I don't know. I just oh. I was the just chess to, records. They chess said records. just they're just Chicago. very own. It, twenty five twenty South Michigan Avenue. Students are just like you. Just like me. You know? What? Just like you. Me? You can get that shirt at CHGOLOcker.com. Michigan. Um go back to school to earn a respected degree at Lewis, Lewis University. 35 miles south of Chicago in Romeoville, is ranked as U.S. New, as one of U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges. If you're looking to complete your bachelor's degree or master's degree or enroll in a professional sh- certificate program, Lewis has the right program for you. Um, hey, uh, our guy Jay Zawoski, who yes. works here, who is just like us, uh, went to Lewis University. I have a cousin, Maggie, who... Didn't love her first choice in school, and then went to Lewis University to complete her bachelor's degree. And now she's uh, making a big move. She's, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, moving up in the world. She, she was working at one hospital, and she's like, hey, that's not working for me. Um, and she's now got a, a better-paying job because she's so damn cool. She's got a Lewis University degree. Uh, so I'm very proud of her. Um, and I, I feel like away. we all know Cousin Maggie. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't? Uh, you also know my guy Ashish, who's uh got his uh, bachelor's degree over in India. Now he's uh, over here getting his master's degree at Lewis University, and he's the cashier over at my Seven Eleven, and he's the most friendly man I've ever met in my life. It's it's insane. Uh, Lewis offers several career has, focus. He doesn't sleep apparently. My man
0: Ashish is doing work. let do. Well, he's you know working I think, at Seven Eleven and going to school. He's got. The, I
2: mean, he's yeah. Goddamn Ashish, he's man. <laughs> And he's nice. Yeah. Like mean, yeah. And it's like three jobs. Yeah, oh. man,
0: that's a, that's, a, that's a win right there.
2: Discover how a degree Amazing. from Lewis can help you build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu can do this. lewisu.edu can do this. And um, remember, too, free, free marketing opportunity out there. You get
3: the Lewis University folks, hire Luis Robert Jr., Louis University. It's just... It makes too much
2: sense. I like it. And then they become... A, the, they're the Flyers? Right? The Lewis yeah.
0: Flyers? The other yeah, the Flyers. I'm not trying...
2: I they you know they're your, a sponsor. You can
0: get your aviation degree there. Oh.
2: I don't know if it's aviation yeah, you, maintenance. You can maintain an airplane. But you uh,
0: can aer- get your aviation degree you there. Can? You can? They fly all the time at really? Lewis University. Yeah.
3: <laughs> are, you, like, no. are you fly all the time? No, Are you I'm a hundred. No. <laughs> I am serious. Wait. But Herb... <laughs> Your you, the ev- every the example the the evidence that you provided to back up your point made no sense. What you get your aviation degree at Lewis University? They fly all the time
2: over yeah. there. <laughs> okay, hold on. they have a College of Aviation Science and Technology. But can you get your degree? Yeah,
0: that's it. Jay didn't eight, go for that because he's not a maintenance.
2: Uh, uh, so they have air traffic control management. Okay, aviation administration. Okay. Aviation and aerospace technology, Okay. aviation flight technology, Okay. aviation maintenance technology, unmanned aircraft systems. Ooh. I don't think those yes. are... Those are drones. Those are drones. Yeah. I don't think any of those are flying. Those, the third one. Pilot's I'll tell you license. what, though.
3: Can I tell you something? The right. amount of Lewis University alums who work at O'Hare Airport just must be through the roof. Oh, yeah.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> And, and probably midway. Probably too. midway. Probably. Too. Probably. Yeah. Andrew and, and Page. Hey. Probably executive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <They> <laughs> Milwaukee. A, I think they got
3: a Gary, Indiana <laughs> airport. Name them all. All right. Uh, Migsfield. <laughs> Rest in peace. R.I.P. Field.
2: No mercy. Was I even around what, for it? I've never even know? heard of that. No.
0: It was. It happened during your lifetime. No. In the middle of the night, old Mayor Daly just had people. Two. Mayor Daly. too. The the second yeah. one. Just went in and had uh, his crews just, like, X out all the uh, runways. Yeah, and just yeah. destroyed Mixfield.
3: Now it's Northerly Island.
0: Yeah.
2: Really? Yeah. In the middle of the night. Gangster as hell. Mm. Oh. I, I, I have never. That's quite the Chicago story. You should yeah. look it up. Oh, Wow.
3: Not the, currently. You I, could read about yeah. it later. No, 2003.
2: Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to get a date. Yeah. I just went, okay. I have, damn, no, I never heard of that. I've been to Northern Lee Island. Yeah, sure. It's fine. Welcome to, yeah, thank you to uh, Mayor Daly. Yeah. It's fine. The second it's one, nice. It's fine. There's
3: some forced nature out there. It's nice. Yeah, it's fine.
2: No, no, no. I've been to two concerts.
3: It's fine. No, not the concert venue. You keep going. There's like a little nature walk oh. out in the lake. It's and very nice. And then you nice. can see inside
2: to the uh, the great skyline. No. Oh. All right. Well, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I've only been there for a concert. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, okay. Uh, let's talk about Jake Berger. Um, right. So let's first hear from Jake Berger. He talked about getting traded from Chicago. A lot of people upset about Jake Berger being traded. Kind of took them from surprise. They put out the lineup. Jake Berger was playing second. And then we hear that he's being sent to Miami. And here was Jake's reaction. Yeah. I um, know,
4: it happened really fast. Um, you know, it's... I, it's been a it's been a long journey um, with with the organization. Uh, a lot of a lot of good memories, a lot of bad memories. So you know, I'm just I'm grateful for, for the White Sox, um, the organization for you know believing in me when it didn't seem like a lot of a lot of other people believed in me, and the fans believed in me um, coming back from injury. So um, you know, it's a lot of really good memories here. and you know, it's uh, my son got to see me play in the White Sox jersey first. And, um, you know, so. But on, on the flip side of that, you know, going to Miami, and, uh, you know, get a play, uh, make a push for for the playoffs. And, um, you know, in the wild card hunt. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to you know play my heart out uh, for for Miami as well.
2: And uh, Miami's getting a great one. Uh, Jake Berger getting choked up there about leaving Chicago, talking about how that was the first jersey his uh, kids saw him play in. Um, very, 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 very sweet stuff from Jake Berger. And uh, Rick Hahn kind of echoed that as well in his press conference, just saying this was a baseball move and trading a player of Jake's just kind of personality and his his charisma um, is real tough. and Brutal. Uh, you called it brutal. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's, he's good at baseball too. Um, so – what did we make of Berger going out the door? Because that does seem like the big discussion. We had it, obviously, post-trade deadline. Uh, but now, especially with Rick's comments, um, does the baseball side of this make sense?
3: I think so. I mean, I think you're talking about a guy who does one thing very, very, very well and hit home runs. But it's a poss- it's a possibility that they still don't have room for him. I mean, he might have been a... Square peg in a round hole at second base, if that's the future that they had in mind for him, who knows if that works out very well. Um, this is a guy who, let's give credit where credit is due, didn't make the opening day roster because he didn't have a position, came up pretty quickly, played the infield pretty well. Yep. Uh, and, and and I don't think uh, any of us really expected his defense to be as good as, and, and as consistent as it was, be it over there at third base or any of the places they tried uh, him out, including second base the last few days. So – If you look at the long-term, though, it doesn't look like Yohan Moncada's going anywhere. It doesn't look like Andrew Vaughn's going anywhere. It doesn't look like Aloy Jimenez might be going anywhere, given the contract situations of certainly the uh, first and the third guy I listed there. Where does Jake Berger play? And if the best answer you can give me is maybe second base, I think maybe that speaks to the fact that they had a surplus of guys like that, right, a a surplus of guys who – were corner guys that, that, that couldn't necessarily play up the middle, and they decided to perhaps sell high on a guy who was having a very, very good season at, at the conclusion of what he mentioned, a very long journey for him. I mean, the story is great. You can see why he was getting choked up. It's kind of the same way, the same reason, rather, that, that Lucas Giolito told me that he had such loyalty for this organization because the White Sox were there for these guys every step of the way and, you know, to, to allow them – to go through the ups and some pretty significant downs of their careers um, and and come out the other end successful major league players. Um, And I can guarantee you Jake Berger didn't want to leave the White Sox. And so um, it is a baseball move, but certainly people should be uh, voicing their displeasure with seeing a guy of that personality and and, and just a guy like that, a presence in that clubhouse, uh, depart because he was, as you said, a good one.
0: Yeah, and to speak on your point that Jake Berger had the two Achilles tendon tears and the White Sox stood with him. Yeah, he's a first-round pick, so what else are they going to do? They're not going to cut bait, but Jake can see that on the other side. It's like, man, they've been waiting on me for X amount of years. All these other people have passed me by. They've drafted over me with and got players over me, and they still stuck with me. And yet, like Vinny said, he didn't make the Open day roster because he didn't have a spot. Guess what, people? He doesn't have a spot right now. Yes, second, he's been playing decently. I wouldn't want Jake Berger to play excess 100 games at second base for my Major League Baseball Club. Andrew
3: Vaughn in right field all over again. Exactly.
0: He might get to every ball that he can, but there's going to be so many balls that a regular, run-of-the-mill second baseman could have got to and could have made the play. And so, I am sad that the player and the person is gone, but Getting back, Jake Eater, I'm good with that. If you look at his stats from 2021 before he had Tommy John in 2022, guy was filthy. Sub-2 uh, ERA came back this year. He's got like a 4 ERA, but he's been working his way back from that Tommy John surgery. And his last start, I said in the pregame, it was uh, five innings and ten strikeouts. And so he's limiting the walks like he has had, had earlier in the uh, year. And now he's uh, more pinpoint and getting more used to his body. And I think it's just going to continue on that path with the White Sox. I don't expect him to break camp with the White Sox next year or even come up early in the season because of this Tommy John that he had. And he's still building up strength from that surgery. But to get a guy that most people think this guy might be something, he might be decent, he's six four. you said he has like a 70 grade on his slider. I'm thinking that Rick probably went into today's trade deadline not looking for moving Jake Berger, but he got the right deal and got the right person, and he said, hey, I got to make the moves that are right for the White Sox, and if that means Jake Berger going to the Miami Marlins and we getting a player that can help us for the next years on by, I got to do it, and I'm in favor of the trade. When I saw it at first, I was a little shocked, but then I started thinking about it and talking to people who know better than I they're all in it. They're all in for it, and they're all good for it. So it's hard, hard to have Jake Berger go and his wife Ashlyn his kid Brooks, but we are all we all have TVs. We all have uh, the MLB package. You can watch Jake Berger on the Miami Marlins go for the wild card all you want and root him on that way. It sucks that he's not going to be on a 22-game on, on under 500 team on the, like the White Sox. I'd rather him go out and pursue his dreams and help them win a World Series again. All right. That's no, right. That will be their third, and that would tie the White Sox. Ew. Yeah. They've That's been in the cr- league since the 90s. I hate that. They do a lot of rebuilds. Yes. Down they, there.
3: Yeah, all, they, I mean, immediately, <laughs> they'll win a World Series. And then win a World Series, start the right. rebuild. Let's <laughs> do it again.
2: Right? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know they had Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> they did? Yeah, that was, yeah. I mm-hmm. saw
3: him when he was a Marlins mm-hmm. minor leaguer, oh, when he God. was the shortstop for the 2001 Kane County
2: Cougars. You remember in a year? Golly. That big old man was a shortstop. Yeah, he was skinny. He was very skinny. Him and A-Rod just – and Barry Bonds. I mean, these guys just get – Yeah, but Miggy went
0: wide. The other guys went wide, but with uh, some extra. Miggy just got – because he ate some delicious Detroit food, apparently.
3: Miguel Cabrera and Adrian Gonzalez in the same lineup on that low A team. Oh, my God. How about that? Did you know? I know Miguel. You probably knew. He probably had like an 85%. This is slightly less impressive because those guys were both very, very good, but also in that same team. Josh Willingham, who ended up in the majors, mm-hmm. hit a few home runs as well as a, as a Minnesota win. Minnesota. Charles exclusive.
0: Johnson before or after that? Well before. Okay. Well before.
3: This was this af- this was this was several years after the first Marlins uh, uh, World Series win. Okay. Good
2: team. Yeah. Um, Want to let you know, oh, uh, just to play devil's advocate, I was going to go into an ad break. I had a whole point that I wanted to make about Jake Berger. Go ahead. Um, I'll you. do that, and then I'll take the ad there break. There you go. Um, did they trade the right guy? Um, I understand your guys' point about his defensive positioning. Um, we brought this up, didn't make the opening day roster. We talked about this in spring training. He might never play third base again. Well, here he is playing third base and now even playing second base. Um, but a lot of people are kind of questioning, and, you know, we brought this up, like, Jake Berger's got proven power. Yep. Andrew Vaughn really doesn't. Like, could they have traded Andrew Vaughn? Um, this is uh, from The Beef on Twitter, uh, at Delicious 13 uh, Jake Berger versus uh, Andrew Vaughn with homer stat or uh, walk stats. Thank you. Um, you look at March and April, 72 plate appearances for Berger, seven walks uh, in May, 65 plate appearances, zero walks in June, 95 plate appearances, four walks. And then July, 91 plate appearances, 11 walks. Uh, we, you know, 11 in the first three months, and then he doubled it in July. Uh, for Vaughn, uh, 123 plate appearances, 13 walks, 117 plate appearances, 7 walks, 104 plate appearances, 8 walks, and then 65 plate appearances in July, 1 walk. Um, I mean, and also Berger, too. Uh, more homers. Um I don't know. Many more. I, huh? Yes. Anymore. Many, many more. Many yeah. more. I, I just feel like Berger has just come up here, and he's talked about that one quote. He goes up, and it's like 20%. mental and the rest is just kind of reacting and that really does seem like the difference between him and Andrew Vaughn and maybe that will click for Vaughn but Vaughn really does seem like a very meticulous very like thought driven guy to the point where I think his athletic instincts are kind of uh, pushed down a little bit. Um, he's not, he, there, there's times where he's read and reacted. He's hitting sliders off of his shoes for home runs. Um, but we don't see that all the time. Like nope. we, we saw that in April and we really haven't seen that Vaughn since, um, I don't know. Is there a whole, they traded the wrong guy. I mean, it, it was no, Berger the right guy to go. Would you have rather see Jimenez or Vaughn go?
0: No, I think they think that whatever they got out of Jake Berger this year is gravy and the fact that he had 25 home runs was awesome, and so we're going to trade high while his value is at a level that we, we weren't projecting it to be. They still think there's more in Andrew Vaughn, and I think we all three agree that there has to be more of Andrew Vaughn because we heard the scouting report coming out of college. that pretty much bat is bat plays coming out of college right now in the major leagues, and we've seen that from time to time. And so – I don't know what Jake Berger's going to his career going forward, but I don't know if you can project this season again and again and again and again. And that's what the White Sox maybe were scared of, of do we hold on to this guy who doesn't have position but can pop the ball out every once in a while, or do we get something for him because next year he's not going to be on team? And, yeah, maybe people are calling on for Andrew Vaughn, but we've heard that he's might be an untouchable for reasons that we've already given He was, what, the third or fourth draft pick overall. He's supposed to be a top-notch hitter. This is only his second real full year of baseball playing in the majors and his first full year of playing at first base. And I know these are excuses, and Beef is probably throwing things at the TV if he's watching. But I think there's more upside to Andrew Vaughn than there is to Jake Berger. So – If they would have traded Vaughn, I would have had a problem with it, but I don't know what you get. I don't know if you get the same player. And because he's not having a great year, at least you could say the 25 home runs for Jake Berger, that can be good for a team. I don't know what Andrew Vaughn does on 2023 White Sox
2: that somebody says, hey, come on over here. We'll give you... The same player in Jake Eater. We also know historically that Jake Berger only homers at Guaranteed Rate Field, so I hope they bring that with him. Uh, hopefully he can play his games in Miami somehow in Guaranteed Rate Field. That would do uh, good for him. He can zoom in. He
3: can zoom yeah. in for his at-bats. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun.
2: They should figure that out. Uh, let's uh, chat final, and then we'll wrap this up. But make sure you go read Vinny's article at allchgo.com about what had to say and hit the thumbs up button too. We appreciate it. We appreciate everyone hanging out and sharing their thoughts in the comments. Uh, Is there any other moves to be made? We saw Elvis Andrews start and I kind of was bemoaning that uh, before the game. Uh, Is it possible? They DFA Elvis Andrews. Is it possible? They DFA? Yasmani Grandal. I don't understand the point of those two players finishing out the season with the White Sox just because of their age and, you know, what does this team need veteran leadership for? As we already discussed, uh, you're either going to be glass half full and uh, see this team as 62 wins or glass half empty and uh, 100 losses. Uh, I mean, what's next for the Sox team? Um, I don't know if they're going to DFA both of them, but
0: they've shown the propensity to do that early in the year with uh, Jake Diekman and other players last year, like, uh, I forgot his name, Dallas Keiko. But. It's only two months left. He's I available. I know. He left the Twins uh, system. But I don't see any usefulness for the two players to be on this team unless the White Sox see their leadership, specifically Elvis Andres, to be for the younger cats. Like if they bring up a Lenny Sosa or a Jose Rodriguez or uh, even Zach Rimelard, who is 29 years old. You know, maybe Elvis has some encouraging words, some things when they're on the field that he can shine for them and, you know, uh, de facto coach and not really playing a lot. But I'm sure Elvis wants to be on a team that might be competing like he did last year with the White Sox. So a DFA for him might be in the future. And same thing with Yasmani, even though he signed a long term deal for four years, it'll be kind of weird to see a guy at the end of that when he signed the deal was the largest contract in White Sox history and at the end of it they just release him and it's just gone but if both both or either one of them gets DFA'd I would not be surprised but I also wouldn't be surprised if they keep both of them to the end of the year just for reasons I mean when Cor- Corey Lee comes up I think the, cho- the choice is obvious. You either. Send down Sebi, which I don't think he has any more options, or you DFA uh, Yasmani. And that's much easier to DFA Yasmani and have Sebi be your backup for years to come.
3: Yeah, I mean, you need a reason to do these things. Obviously, fans are frustrated watching guys who aren't producing, um, but they've gone far beyond the point where they need everybody to produce to, to you know, to win. They're not. They're not going to suddenly, uh, you know, DFA a couple of guys because they need to uh, go, you know, win forty more games over the oh. next little run here over the next two months. So you need a reason to do it. And you bring up Corey Lee coming up. Maybe if there is a roster crunch because you want to try out a new catcher, a guy who might be your catcher of the both immediate and long term future, that would be a reason to maybe move one of the catchers that you have on your roster. Are you telling me that the little bit that we've seen of Lenin Sosa and uh, Zach Remillard and Jose Rodriguez, if he's even, I don't even know if he's ready to come up again, but, uh, you know, demand that that playing time be opened up for them at the big league level, I don't know if that's there for those guys quite yet. Corey Lee, they've seemed committed to giving him that playing time and giving him that run already. Um, But, you know just to say oh I'm I'm a I'm a fan and I'm sick of watching this guy play I don't think that's a reason to DFA somebody uh, but they might have reasons beyond that that actually do uh, uh, make an impact
2: right I mean it's less about that for me it's just more what even Rick said this organization is much much stronger for 24 and beyond what that looks like at the big league level in 24 let's get to the end of the season um, obviously they're just trying to end this season but I don't picture Yasmani Grandal being on this team in 2024 Um, I don't picture Elvis Andres being on this team in 2024 if it is about 2024 let's try to get players who might be in the system in 2024 it's a good reason it's a good reason but it,
3: it, it I think as player development goes those guys need to be ready for that test and they have determined apparently already that Corey Lee is probably ready for that test is Jose Rodriguez ready for that test yet I don't know, right, you know, is Lenin Sosa has gotten some run at the big league level, not a lot of it, but some, and uh, what, what is their opinion on him, it might be different than their opinion on Corey Lee,
1: is yeah. all I'm saying.
2: Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, with Rodriguez being in double A, um, absolutely. Um, uh, final thing, uh, and we'll wrap this up here, Lancelin, first four innings as a Dodger, uh, two hits, one walk, five Ks. He's got 10 called strikes, uh, 10 whiffs. Uh, he's just... Strikeouts weren't a problem. He's, MFing, he's <laughs> MFing dudes left and right. It is the ace, but he's having ah, a fun time. Hey. Uh, he's he thrown 42 forcing seam fastballs. Because why not? <laughs> um, all right. Lance Lynn's having a fun time. Uh, and then tomorrow, early game for uh, Lucas Giolito versus the Atlanta Braves. Oh, hey, there you go. Tough. Luke, Lucas versus the uh, Braves. We'll see how he does. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinnie Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Echnerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. And uh, I'm Sean Anderson. Follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, no. Oh, oh, the break. Yeah. yeah uh, Pins and Aces. Uh, Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. They're going to be helping us out on August 25th for our CHGO kickoff classic. You can buy tickets at allchgo.com. They got a badass polo that they're going to give out with us um, for the event. Uh, they're a family-owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag, and keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. That's it, folks. Uh, Appreciate you hanging out with us. Give us a thumbs-up button on your way uh, out. Uh, Thank you, Stephen Necklace, for producing the show. Uh, Nicholas. Stephen Necklace. 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 (laughs) Uh, My mouth is so dry.
0: It's better than Alexander, which I called him, I think, one time. I, I, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten Steve and Alexander from you guys. And uh, and Steve. You called me something else right when we first started this whole thing, Sean. Steve. It was something. All right, anyway. Let's, Thanks, let's, Steve. Let's wrap it up. Bye. <laughs> Bye.